Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number five. I'm still transcribing the interview I did with Harvey Siegel that I did in 2014 for my upcoming TTB scrapbook. Uh, Just giving you an update on what projects I'm currently working on. Uh, This week I got the unfortunate news that Alvin, the story of Ross Bagdasarian Sr., Liberty Records, Format Films, and The Alvin Show, is now going to be pushed back to February or March 2019. This means I won't have any new book published in 2018. That's okay, since I had three books published in 2017, but I was kind of hoping that the Chipmunk book would be out by Christmas. Bear Manor has assured me that people can pre-order the book this Christmas, however. In better news, long title, Looking for the Good Times Examining the Monkey's Songs One by One, is now available as a Kindle e-book. This means that all ten of my published books are available in ebook form. So on to our guest. This week we have a very special one. His name is Milton Knight. Milton worked for Crack Magazine and Marvel's Crazy Magazine and on Harvey Comics and Richie Rich. And he has done many other projects, including his own acclaimed Hugo collection featuring Hugo the Feline Court Jester and also Midnight the Rebel Skunk. For animation, Milton has worked on such characters as Sonic the Hedgehog, Mighty Mouse, Felix the Cat, and on Ralph Bakshi's Cool World feature film. His style is strongly reminiscent of the old Fleischer Studios design, but Milton really has a unique style all his own and is worth checking out. He is a huge fan of Terry Toons and of Jim Tyre's animation style, plus is a noted animation historian. Here he is, Milton Knight. So here we have Milton Knight. How are you doing today, Milton? Oh, uh, well, I'm managing. I'm doing quite well in this ever-changing world in which we live in. <laughs> well, um, I guess uh, tell us, tell the audience today um, about yourself and how you got interested in cartooning and animation and things like that. Oh, well, um, yeah, that, that, that's a long, sad story. But uh, <laughs> I... Uh, first got into, uh, well, I knew it's what I wanted to do, and it, it uh, when, when, you know, ever since, like everybody says, I was a, a very youngster, <laughs> I'm told I was drawing cartoons since I was two, wow. and it not only seemed like something that was fun, but a career as well, so it, it wasn't complete nonsense as far as I was concerned, <laughs> and, uh, I uh, grew up with uh, all the uh, usual uh, animation manual, or rather drawing manuals. Uh, my favorite uh, ones were by Jack Ham, H A M, and they're still in print. So uh, they're there as far as I'm concerned, the ones to learn from. And in desperation to uh, escape from my parental home, I started working professionally when I was about 16. First thing I did were uh, scripts for uh, Richie Rich for Harvey Comics. And uh, then I did a little work for uh, Marvel on their crazy magazine. That's kind of related to Cracked. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, Came out to, uh, well, worked in just about everything uh, publication in uh, New York. Came out to L.A. about 1991 and 
worked for most of the studios uh, in uh, doing uh, design or uh, animation or storyboard or in, in a couple of cases directing and uh, you know here it is the uh, the animation scene has pretty much ended the uh, professional comics world as I knew it has pretty much ended <laughs> so uh, I'm just waiting for whatever comes along right that's all I can tell you mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I guess how, how did you get into it in the first place I mean you had the drawing books did you were you basically self-taught or was the handbook that good that uh, it just taught you everything how'd that work <laughs> well uh, I'm pretty much self-taught uh, I did graduate from a, a school uh, after uh, classes it was at held at BOCES uh, Cultural Center uh, I forget what it was but uh, I went there two years mm-hmm. uh, and learned in uh, graphic arts or rather uh, you, know, you know drawing arts all sorts of art although it was mainly a workshop we did life drawing and uh, and just you know did whatever we wanted to do it was that kind of thing mm-hmm. so I spent a lot of time uh Doing comics and painting. Uh, did you learn? An- after- Go ahead. <laughs> did you learn no, animation just- there too, or how did that? You know, because animation is a little bit of a different animal, I suppose. You know. <laughs> well, it all ties together for me. Oh. Um, okay. I was uh, doing animation itself. Never completed any films. Well, ever, ever since I was a kid again, oh. and usually I was working on animation of one sort or another, and I did that. At first project in animation? I thought you had done stuff prior to that in animation. I guess not? Mm-hmm. No, no. That, that was my first studio job. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. For some reason I thought maybe I'm misremembering or whatever you worked on Bakshi's Mighty Mouse too, but no? No, no, no. I wasn't here for that. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. 
Oops, you know, take two, sorry. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but it sounds like, so, it, it, it sounds and looks like something you'd work on, and I, I think it was Mike Cazala that worked on it, right? You know, and so I know you're friends yeah, with him, yeah. so, you know, it's like, yeah. I guess the connection kind of came from that. I don't know, but... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a weird thing. I mean, like, there was some sort of a revival uh, of interest and in that sort of thing uh, that... Uh, I, I don't know if it got full-blooded or not at that point. It, it was just kind of one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. It might have been Ren and Stippy that, uh, you know, really charged it all up. Mm-hmm. I, well, it was also uh, Roger Rabbit. That, I mean, that, that, that's really what changed everything. Suddenly, everybody wanted to be uh, classic animation, and Tex Avery was the word, even though nobody was really doing him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, so interest came again in quote-unquote classic animation mm-hmm. so on cool world what, what did you do did you were you an actual animator or an in-betweener or what what different I, what different things did you do on that picture well uh, that was like back she hired me as a director right i mean not a director what am i saying <laughs> wow and, and, <laughs> yeah, <basically. laughs> an animator animator right away and uh-huh. uh Otherwise, I was a designer uh, of characters and uh, uh, some layout, just, just just about anything that was around, just, just like the olden days. I mean, people weren't nailed into one uh, position or another. Okay. Now, did he know who you were before, or did you have to just basically show the portfolio and start from scratch getting it in? No. Uh, we, we had uh, run into each other in New York now and then and okay. had nebulous talks about a project or, or <laughs> some, of some kind. Uh, but then I fell out of touch with him. Mm-hmm. And actually, I went to visit... Uh, well, I, Mike Kazala invited me to come visit him at the studio. Mm. And uh, I, I did, and uh, actually found out I was downstairs and called me up and... Uh, uh, I, I, I think it was because I wasn't even prepared that he decided to hire me right away. Mm. And, uh, you know, kind of a perverse thrill on his part. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's what happened. And, uh, <laughs> you know, things things were really lively here. Now, here, I'm not here anymore. Yeah, yeah, I know you moved, really... you know. <laughs> well, yeah, The big yeah. saga of your move, you know, we won't go into that, but I know you moved from L.A. to, where are you, in Indiana now? Is that right? Yeah, Bloomington, yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so um, things were really lively in uh, L.A. And uh, there, I knew that things were going to slow down. Yeah. But I didn't expect them to stop to this extent. Hmm. Interesting. So the the main series you worked on after Cool World, then uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and T- Felix the Cat. Those two, is that correct? Yeah, I guess those are the major ones. Okay. And then what other shows did what you other, work on? If you can kind of rattle them off. If <laughs> well, I uh, worked on Johnny Test. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
is that the one with Fruer uh, voicing the panther, or is that the even later one? Uh, who voicing the panther? Yeah, Matt Fruer, you know, Matt's headroom. He was, he did a version, maybe that one was in the 80s, I don't know. Or oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah, yeah. No, this, 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 this one, uh, this one I, I, except for my episode, uh, I, I haven't even seen it. <laughs> so I, 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 I that, that's the case with most of these animated shows. I, I don't go through the trouble of watching the whole series. I just <laughs> check mine out and see if they were okay or not. And okay, uh, okay. sometimes they are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, okay, goodbye. Yeah. I, I have other things to do. <laughs> well, how, how was it working for those different studios? I mean, I think, uh, Sonic was Saban, is that right? I'm, I'm I don't know my studios. Uh, no, no, it was, it was, it was Deke. Deke, yeah, that's right. Okay. Deke, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. did you work on things like Inspector Gadget and stuff too? I mean, you said Gadget no. Girl, so you know, I thought maybe, but no. <laughs> no, no, I, I wasn't here for that. Oh, okay. So no, that's that, all before that, you. That, okay. that was in the '80s. Got yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what else I worked on. I, I know there are plenty of other things, but uh, oh well. I guess uh, it's it really is getting to be too much. My uh, <laughs> my my storage room. I mean, you you wouldn't believe the amount of work that I can't believe it. I look at it and I say, well, what did I do? Did I do all this? Well, I'm afraid so. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's by, by, by now somebody's going to have to remind, remind me of things. Right, that, right. That, that's what it is. Well, what, yeah. what, was, what was Deke like as a studio? How did they operate? Deke was barely a studio. Oh, wow. I okay. mean, <laughs> they, uh, they had a pilot that I did some animation on, and uh, Ed loved it animation of... Uh, you know the Robotnik characters and, uh, and 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 storyboards of mine, so that that was uh, good. That was a thrill. And uh, anyway, aside from that pilot, which was extra good because it was used to sell the show, uh, there was no animation done in 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 the studio. That was all storyboard and timing and design, and we would just. Uh, I mean, like, it was freelance. Nobody had to come to work, but a few of us, uh, you know, just, just set up a uh, shop in there and did our work and insulted each other, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And uh, so that was it. Uh, it. It was a big place, but uh, it was, uh, you know, pretty empty. Interesting. So just a few people working there who decided they wanted to do it there. Huh. Because, yeah, that's one studio I don't know much about other than, you know, what was released. You know, you know I didn't, you know, because I haven't really talked to many people that have worked there. So, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if they, it could be, it's, it wasn't termite terrorists or anything like that. Right. I mean, I don't know if there is a deep story to tell because. Uh, well, that's one thing I've know. discovered. I mean, it's like once you get past like the 1970s, you get into the 1980s and it's like. Yeah, the studio is just a name, and it's like not, not this real camaraderie like the earlier studios were. So, oh no, yeah, and everything's farmed out yeah, to I'm Korea sure. or whatever. You know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I said everything's farmed out to Korea or something. You know, and yeah, like, right. Yeah, the uh, the closest thing to that in the eighties was, uh, you know, if you were working on a feature. Okay. And at, at that point, it was necessary to uh, 
have everything under one roof. But as soon as it became possible, you know, they they just kind of canceled that out. Right. So the other show I mentioned uh, tw- it was officially called The Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat. What studio did that one? That was Film Roman. Oh, okay. And how is that as a studio? I, I've talked to Phil a couple times before, but I don't know him too well. But Yeah. That was fun. It was fun. Um, you know, I mean, it was uh, kind of a, what do you say, uh, brutal schedule because uh, each of the we all directed four shorts there were four units directing four shorts Mm. uh and directing basically means uh uh designing and storyboard and summary writing Mm. um so we had a month to do each there was no going back and changing minds and deciding on improvements by the time the show started airing, by the time film started coming back, our our, our job was done already, mm. and so I really had no chance to uh, no chance to improve upon what I had done. I, I sure would have, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was fun and uh, you know pretty freewheeling. Uh, I don't I don't recall getting any real objections uh, to what I was doing at all, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I mean, my my shows became kind of a, an example. Uh, they 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 put the storyboard for uh, uh, like uh, Forever Rafter, one of one of my shorts, in the hall, uh, so that uh, people would get the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, yeah, it was it was a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as as good as things. I mean, there, there's always something to complain about, right. but uh, <laughs> no. there still is animation did just kind of like the avenues dry up or you know what happens you know to someone who has an extensive career in animation you know because it seems like is Disney like a closed shop now I don't even know how animation is nowadays (laughs) well the story I have is probably different from the story uh, other people might tell you but at that time say the uh later 1970s mm-hmm. uh, everybody I mean there were, there were so many studios opening up I mean like the Mary Tyler Moore uh, company opened up one uh, there were some others people were op- opening up and, and, and buying studio space just mm-hmm. so they could get catch the uh, new wave that the Simpsons had created right. and uh, a lot of times without any product this is what I couldn't understand they throw money away in Hollywood they <laughs> rent these buildings without anything to do uh, to, to, to do in them and uh, it was it was that it was this boomer bust business and also the computers uh, you know started coming in just just even for just drawn animation yeah. and uh, the studios were uh, buying up this hardware or software or whatever it is and it would become outdated obsolete you know a few months after they had bought it so that's why 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, don't know what to tell you. Um, it, it, it just, for me, it, it, it just stopped coming. Uh, the, the, yeah. the last jobs I had were from people who couldn't make up their minds because they had no experience, and, and soon it was becoming clear that that's the kind of people they wanted. Right. So uh, maybe not for me, maybe not for anybody else for me, but the late 90s is when it all started falling apart. Yeah. And as far as Disney is concerned, they, they have their few favorite people uh, who, who they keep on for years, even if they're not doing anything. But for the rest of the people who work uh, in uh, animation over there, it's like a revolving door. They throw you out as soon as the project is finished. And oh, wow. <laughs> then when they start hiring uh, hiring again, they start running ads for a whole new crowd. Mm. Uh, the, the, the same people generally do not come back. Huh. So uh, it's one of those things they do. I mean, uh, yeah. it's uh, I I don't understand anymore. I don't no, either. I mean, it's like, and so I was just figuring you might have a different insight, but that's kind of what I speculated happens is that they just kind of uh, toss people around like use Kleenex, you know? It's like yeah, yeah, <laughs> indeed, exactly. Yeah, that's too uh, bad. I just thought the one uh, animation job, uh, freelance job that I had for Disney was uh, doing some design, so I actually can say I worked for Disney Television. Whoopee. Yay. Great. Yeah. Um, Whoopee. So, um, I mean, the outlook probably doesn't look that great for animation, even though Simpsons is still on and Family Guy and, you know, Disney owns everything, it seems like, and then there's some DreamWorks-type stuff, but, you know... They they all kind of just do everything extraordinarily freelance and maybe a one time only gig at these times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people. My story is not the. I don't know. Maybe it is the average story, but there are always those who uh, uh, like the creators who manage to get in and last. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you know, I mean, nowadays. As far as television is concerned, or even movies, it's all about who comes up with the big idea. Right. Uh, who's a showrunner? And frankly, I never wanted my own show. Right. I didn't see animation as, uh, you know, my career. I saw it as a way to uh, fund my career, which is uh, basically doing the stuff I re regard as being worth doing, which is more or less what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've seen people, I've seen producers, artists who became producers uh, uh, because of creating shows, and they spend more time uh, managing people mm -hmm. than uh, cartoons, or like <laughs> juggling papers, and working in the machine, it uh, just, it's, it, it, it becomes less. Yeah. The thing is with animation now, you can't count on uh, uh, different departments improving a product as it goes along. Right. They, they it, it diminishes. Yeah. The quality diminishes. And uh, I, I, I don't want that to happen with me. I don't want to create a show that is nothing but talk. Yeah. yeah. With what they generally are. Well, your story is not alone. I mean, when I was doing my De, De Patty Freeling book, uh, a lot of people that worked there 
in the latter days are still in the industry and they were just saying yeah it's like very difficult now to sustain you know a career in, yeah, you know yeah. it's like so but that's why hmm? oh i was just saying that's one reason it was so easy to leave la for me it was yeah. just like okay what am i here for yeah, yeah. makes no sense doesn't make i mean you know nowadays and this is a good thing you can live anywhere right you don't have to be in la or new york to uh, get work you do it from your home and you keep the originals yeah so uh you know something you said you didn't want to start so you never wanted to do like a, a Hugo and Midnight show huh obsessed with dots she just dots she just has a polka dotted uh top and uh you know they don't have any of the uncles and aunts or anything like that and the three of them yeah they all i haven't really watched all the episodes but yeah they kind of have that kid attitude that they do nowadays you know so so they all become kind of faceless one-dimensional characters you know they just draw them differently and for some reason they gave Audrey a gap tooth I don't know why I thought that, that you know that's weird <laughs> I can't believe this this is so stupid it's so dumb I mean why why pay for these properties yeah. if you want to do it just make your own yeah. but they figure oh well it's pre-sold okay so it's pre-sold yeah. but then you, you you screw it I mean yeah. like it, it, it's so stupid <laughs> Like, at least when you did your Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat, there was a connection to, like, the Translux Studio Felix the Cat, and even the old 
silent ones, you know, to, there was a connection that you go, oh, yeah, that's Felix the Cat. I recognize him. He's doing something. That, that is true. Yeah, you know, they modernized him a little bit. I can get that. But when you modernize it to the point where this isn't even recognizable, you know, yeah. why bother, you know? I'm going to have to check this, this out, just look yeah. it up on the web and see what I see. Yeah, they're on Netflix, uh, so that's where they're at. And uh, what, what kind of uh, art style is it? Uh, it's oh, what's that TV show? You, you know that show, Steve Universe. Steve Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it looks kind of like that. You know, it's like Gravity Falls, that kind of current, supposedly popular cartoon style, which I don't really care for. <laughs> it's, it's been like twenty-five years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, animation is. is I mean, it's been stagnated in the past. Yeah. But but now, I mean, I I can't tell the difference. And like I said, it's 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 been the same for twenty five years. <laughs> I, I saw this still from uh, like the new Rocky and Bullwinkle, and yeah, it's like, well, yeah. how many times can you do this? Yeah. And you know, I I don't understand why they have to change it so much. It's like you know, like yeah. uh, yesterday I was watching a, a Disney uh, compilation of shorts that actually had uh, you know they were new to me. Uh, there was a, a new goofy one, how to set up your home video system or something, and they tried to make it look like one of the old ones from the forties, and it's like. Why can't you do that? That's fine. You know, hey, you know, obviously it's new technology because he's, you know, talking about flat screen TVs and everything. But, you know, it, it's like, you know, they even went so far as putting like that textured red background on the opening titles right. and everything like that. Right. And it's like, well, how hard is that? <laughs> well, the Disney tradition never really died. They yeah. have people there who've always wanted to work for Disney. Yeah. So it isn't that hard. But when you've got something like uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, which they really hate, yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not going to happen. They, they can't translate that humor. Yeah. They've, they've got to, like, uh, make it into something, you know, edgy and yeah. uh, this and that and the other thing. Because that's what they think of as, uh, you know, a humor for adults. Basically now, humor for adults is humor for adolescents. Right. <laughs> I mean, you get down to these uh, adult schedule things. I mean, they're for Beavis and Butthead. They're for those types. Yeah, it's I all mean, types of people. Burp and fart jokes, basically, is what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing adult about it. <laughs> I mean, so uh, you know, there you go. So they they take Rocky and Bullwinkle and turn it into that because you know that's all they can grok. <laughs> Uh, well, let's leave animation there for a while. <laughs> yeah, let's leave animation out yeah. there for a while. Um, let's, so, let it starve in the cold. <laughs> now, we'll, we'll talk about a really ambitious and growing industry, comic books. Okay, tell me a little bit about... <laughs> 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 no, seriously, I do want to talk about your comic book. How, how did you get uh, hired by Harvey? You said Harvey was the first uh, company you worked for? Did you... Yeah. Um, I talked to Paul Marangeli and I talked to Angela DeCessory over this, and they're probably uh, your peers in the same, you know, time frame, that basically right. they kind of just walked in and showed their portfolio and got hired. It was as simple as that. Is that a similar story for you? It, yes. I mean, like, comparatively, it, it, you know, I hate to keep comparing it to now, but for me, it's like, you, you, you just 
call, you know, Harvey Comics, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you just say, can I speak to so-and-so? And there, there you were. Oh. I mean, sometimes it would even be so-and-so answering the phone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I uh, knew I knew somebody. Uh, let's see, the late, I think his name, Mike Lasky, who uh, was an editor for uh, United uh, Syndicated uh, thing there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had uh, done scripts for Harvey and suggested that I try. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I called up. And, and it was it was fine with me because uh, I uh, liked most of them and uh, read most of them, uh, you know, in, in real childhood. So uh, I stopped up there, and uh, I uh, he basically he told me the lousy rates and uh, <laughs> said when you, when you when you what what you do is you write a synopsis and uh, well I've got to tell you I wanted to work on Little Lotta so bad. comic let's say <laughs> yes right right exactly yeah <laughs> i understand the ec comics uh, they had uh, balloons on the pages themselves and the artists had to draw around them uh you least, ever hear that? yeah i've heard that at yeah. least on the feldstein stuff i don't know about the kurtzman stuff i think kurtzman did his whole layout so you had to follow the layout very closely in fact, Russ oh, Heath, Russ Heath, when he did Plastic Sam for Mad Comic Books, he he just basically traced over Kurtzman's layout, so it looks like a Kurtzman thing, but Heath did it, you know. So. Wow, wow! <laughs> but there was a few rebels out there, like uh, I think it was Krigstein that would uh, like cut things up and do things differently, which really kind of annoyed the editors. You know, but that's what he would do. So. <laughs> 
while. But what was he so good at meeting deadlines that, uh, or did they actually realize that? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, they respected these artists, you know, but, and kind of probably gave him a, you know, my opinion about it. I'm not an expert on Krigstein, but you know, it was like, don't do that again, you know, <laughs> that type of little scolding. But you know, hey, you turned it in, so and we like your work. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> right. Hey, that that's something else that's missing now. I mean, to work on anything, you have to be a team player. Right. You 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 can't criticize anything. Well, uh, okay, I'm okay with that, but it, it's like the forced jollity, mm -hmm. the enforced jollity. Hey, that was a good job. Hey, did you see the programs come back? Hey, you know, and uh, that would be tough for me too to be all, you know, unless I really did like it. You know, it's like you know, sometimes oh. I go, wow, this is crap. You know, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they can't. I mean, sometimes it's fun. I mean, like, uh, if you have to do something with something you think is total crap, yeah. and, uh, you, I mean, a person doesn't have to do a lousy job because they dislike the material. I mean, you, you know, you want to go back to the old days. They, like, before I got in, they, they'd have, like, uh, you know, the veterans coming in and they'd say, hey, well, what, what is this crap? And then they go and do it. That's all. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, there's, there's not that they all take themselves much too seriously. I think Howard at Harvey Howard Post was that way. He he just thought it was the worst garbage, but he did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for for yeah. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he felt that way because I, I he was a very good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, did, did did you actually hear that? I've heard it from a couple different stories, uh, a couple different people. I never interviewed Howie. Myself, but people who did interviews for me and other people who knew him, yeah, he just was kind of like very dismissive of Harvey. But it was consistent work; it paid the bills, and it was something else to do. So he did it, right, you know. Right, so, right. Yeah, sure. Because you know, Anthro yeah. Anthro only lasted so long, and uh, the Paramount Studios closed up. So I mean, he had to do something. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely, no, no. He was he he did. People don't know he did horror comics. Yeah. Uh, he said he did love comics. I haven't seen them. But, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't put you in a little compartment and say, you know, this is what you do. You would do anything that was around as long as you did it, you know, relatively well. And sometimes even if you didn't do it well, right. you know. I mean, personalities and, uh, and preferences, it was just not, not that big a concern as it is today. Yeah. And I remember, like, even uh, in, in comics in general, uh, in, uh, well, in comic strips, books, uh, you know, you could be uh, a humorous cartoonist and, and still have running uh, friendships with, uh, you know, people who did sword and sorcery, whatever. I mean, that just wasn't think about now and thought about. Now it's like every, every there, there are groups. And if you do a superhero, then you have uh, no respect for uh, this or that unless it's somehow tied in with it. Right. Uh, it's it, 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 it's so ghettoized, yeah. compartmentalized. Yeah. Uh, I hate it. There's no uh, cross-pollen stuff going on. We can all learn from each other. Right. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Going back to Harvey, and then it, it, you said you worked at Marvel's Crazy. Was that at the same time or after, or did you work at a number of uh, shops at the same time? Or that was during. Okay. Um, I I knew that I was uh, Harvey Comics uh, was you know that 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 was like those were World War Two raids. 
more story for them after that. And that, that was pretty much it. I know Ernie Colon and Lenny Herman did a few uh, TV parodies or movie parodies over at Crazy and stuff like that. So they all kind of oh. they all kind of moonlighted a little bit, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I knew that Howard Bender did a Richie Rich parody for them. I yeah. didn't know about uh, Jacobson and Cologne, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the one that sticks... Oh, I know which ones they did. They did a Welcome Back Potter one, and they did a King Kong one. Oh, <laughs> wow. That might have been before you were there. It was like 75, 76 or something like that. Somewhere around. Yeah, I, I, I did my stuff for them about 1978, I yeah, think. Yeah, so, so. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah they did a few. Far. They did a few things, and then I don't know if Harvey reeled him back in, or well, Ernie was always, you know, leaving and coming back to Harvey. You know, it's like oh, I, yeah. I hate these rates. You know, he was not as bad as Howard. He was like in the middle ground. He liked Harvey, and then he didn't like Harvey, and then he liked it, and then going to the extreme, the opposite way. You know, doing my interviews. Uh, with the family and uh, and everyone, it's like Warren Kremer never really had a bad thing to say about Harvey, except when Alfred Harvey started claiming he cl- he he created Richie Rich and everything all by himself, you know, and it's like then that yeah. created major friction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I'm I'm uh, kind of surprised. It, it, is it uh, Steve Maffei who created the character, or what? Well, um. You know, okay, it's, it, you know, it's like I'm going to get slapped for saying this, but, you know, I, I will still say my opinion is that it was probably a combination of people, but, I mean, there is... Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. but there is evidence to say that Alfred Harvey had a hand in it. There's evidence to say that uh, Warren Kremer had the majority hand in it, and, you know, uh, anybody else. You know, I always I always believe what Sid Couchy said. He said, you know, like the most impartial thing is, like, at Harvey, we had these regular meetings and say, "Oh, what type of characters are you coming up with? What should we create?" And this is back in late fifties, early, or actually even earlier. You know, it's like, you know, it's, you know. So I, I kind of, in my Harvey Comics companion, I didn't make a conclusion. Uh, I wanted the reader to draw the conclusion because I've had trouble from both sides, the Kramer family and right. the Harvey family. It's only my dad, and that's it. You know. Just, yeah, right, right. You know, I've seen that. You know, and it's like, you know, I mean, it's just like everything else. You know, it's like, you know, everybody uh, disses Stan Lee, but you got to give him credit somewhat. Otherwise, if it was just Jack Kirby, you got Captain Victory. If it was just Steve, Steve Ditko, you know, it'd be like Mr. A or something that he did, you know, obscurely. It's like you have to, you have to have that team to get that lightning in a bottle, you know, and stuff sometimes. You know, so I don't sit there and say uh, Ditko and Kirby were it, and Stanley is nothing. You know? Yeah. And it's the same thing with Harvey. You know, I can't sit there and say Alfred Harvey did nothing or Warren Kramer did nothing. You know, it was a combination of all those talents. Right. Yeah, sure. Sure, no, uh, I I get uncomfortable when they say uh, so-and-so created this. Right. Because, you know, hey, when when, when there are like six guys in the room, how are you going to prove it, you know? And it's funny, everybody argues about who created Richie Rich, but nobody argues about who created Little Lotta. And it's almost the fact, uh, 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 nobody really knows who created Little Lotta. You know, it's like that. Wow. You know, because, wow. You know, and, you know, I, I don't officially know either. You know, it's like, it, you yeah. know, it, it, 
probably was Alfred Harvey with a combination of other people, but nobody wants to take credit for it. You know? Wow. Well, I mean, Audrey, I mean, not Audrey, a lot of was, again, I, I still think the strongest character in the set. Right. <laughs> and uh, could, could actually uh, still be interesting. I mean, I don't know what they're doing with her now on this uh, Street Kids thing. Well, but, she uh, looks the same. She's the, the least changed just drawing-wise, but uh, character-wise, she doesn't have the super strength or gluttony, you know. So I mean, it's like it's just a generic fat kid, you know. It's like, you know. <laughs> that, that, it, you know, that that is weird. I mean, that yeah. is genuinely weird because you think uh, well, the the whole wave of uh, empowered characters they want a strong girl. Yeah. So. I mean, she's not weak. It's like you know, but, you know, it's like it's not the same type of strength. You know, it's like it's, yeah, she's not lifting trucks. And, right, uh, right. It's just yeah. that you know, she's you know, a faceless, confident girl. You know, basically that happens to be drawn uh, fat. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's not a cartoon. That, that, that's a role model. That, that's what they do now. Yeah. This, this stuff isn't cartooning. It's programming. <laughs> exactly. And I don't have to like it anymore. When I was doing Harveyville Fun Times, I tried to like everything, but even I had yeah. even I had my limits. They did that uh, Baby Huey live action film with the guy in the costume, and I said, "This is garbage. I hate this." <laughs> was not that direct to video? Yeah, yeah. Or, or was it actually? Yeah, yeah. That that's where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Direct to the garbage. Weird, yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I think with all of these characters, the WB ones, the Disney ones, they should all put them on a slow boat to China. Right. I mean, they can't do it right in the first place. And besides, they're of their time. Right. You know. Yeah. For me, I just like to watch the old ones. I mean, if I happen to see a new, you know, like they have those newer Mickey and Donald cartoons where they kind of look some, sort of like stick figures. And I've laughed yeah. at them, but it's like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. not enough to get me to buy every DVD compilation and, you know, everything else. Whereas, like, the Looney Tunes or the old Disney characters, like, when those Disney Kins came out, you know, years ago with Malton on them, you know, it's like, I had to get those the day they came out. I wanted every Donald Duck cartoon. I wanted every Goofy and Mickey Mouse, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. But... Yeah. I mean, I really can't put the... the, the the new stuff down, you know, as far as the classics are, I mean, the, the new versions are, because I really don't pay much attention to them. Yeah. They, they just, like you said, they just don't pull me in enough so that I want to seek it out. Yeah. And actually, for me, uh, to be honest, it's the same thing with The Simpsons. I was never addicted to it. I mean, when I've seen it, yeah. I can see see the, you know, the good stuff and what what's there. They have something good going. Yeah. But... It, it it does not seduce me that I'd want to sit down in front of the couch like they do. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> For me on the Simpsons. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just. Yeah. Hmm? For me on the Simpsons, my cutoff was season seven, and actually, technically, it's season six. But the only reason I have season seven is because McCartney has a voice on it. So. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I see the difference of the quality between season six and seven. Some people say, "Oh, it went down quality of season fifteen or they say, "Oh, it's never gone down in quality." It's like 
No, there was a lot of good writers that left around season six. You know, I mean, it, they, I mean, they had writers like Conan O'Brien and they had Dana Gould uh, yeah. and stuff like that. They're long gone. And for, for me, on The Simpsons, the, did you see the Simpsons movie, the theatrical movie? They did this, which, if you ever watch it, this is noticeable. The first half was written by the veteran writers that wrote those first six seasons, and the second half was written by the current writers, which, you know, I don't know if those people are still there. But you can actually tell the exact scene where the tone of the film changes, where, like, the first half to three-quarters of the film is excellent and very funny, and then it just drags at the end. Yeah. And I'm more I'm more of a writer than an artist type person, you know. It's like if you have the the most well animated cartoons ever and they're written poorly, uh I I'm not interested. I really don't care. I want, Absolutely. It has to be written well. I mean that's why I like Rocky and Bullwinkle, which is probably the yeah. worst animated show ever. Right. But it's so right. well written I don't care. You know? Yeah. What the change in tone was from the first part to the second part. Well, if you know how Conan and Dana Gould, I use them as an example, you know their type of comedy, which is like very referential to old things, you know, and if if you don't get it tough, you know, research it or you just don't get it, to where it switches to like hits you in the head obvious, you know. (laughs) The, the proverbial, uh, yeah. like I said, burp and fart jokes, you know, and it's like... Right. <laughs> and... Uh, well, is, is the... Uh, is what drew people to The Simpsons in the first place, is that still there, or has it changed that completely? Well, for me, it's not there, but, I mean, for some people, they say, oh, it's still great, but, you know, if if all you care about is Homer acting stupid, well, then I guess yeah. you got a hit show for 30 years, you know, but right, to right, me, it's right. like, I like when they had cultural references to things, but the, but you have to do that the right way too. Like I never warmed to the Family Guy because they do cultural references and that, but they just kind of shoehorn them in just randomly where it didn't make any sense. Whereas right. if you're doing it like the Simpsons used to do it, it's kind of you know not obvious, and then you realize, wow, they're doing a parody of The Shining or they're doing a parody of this. You know, it's not like hit you on the head. Oh, we're going to do a parody of the Beatles right now. Here we go. You know. so much sweeter because then you go ah I get the next sub level you know the sub yeah right right yeah right <laughs> it, it's that yeah that it's it's weird uh what uh, what they do uh, whether we're uh, uh assuming yeah. that everybody's on the same level of media consciousness yeah and uh they're they're, they're missing that audience mm-hmm. so you know in 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 that way they're limiting themselves yeah I guess nobody can really complain because the show's been on 30 years or whatever almost. That's you know, right. You know, so yeah. it's like, hey, if it's making money for them. But right. for me, my personal opinion, it, it dropped off about season six, and that was the end of that. And it's like, you know, eh, yeah. that's enough seasons. There's six seasons of the Flintstones, and hey. The, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, yeah, tr- it's, it's truly a phenomenon that, uh, I mean, nothing 
people. I even said that. Yeah, there's more animated footage of The Simpsons than any other character in history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is scary. Because yeah. <laughs> Popeye yeah. wasn't a half-hour show. <laughs> so. Right, right. No, no, absolutely, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, uh, Where are we going from here? Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, uh, you... you uh, were there any other comic book questions you well, have? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just go back to comics. So you, you you worked at Crazy. Did that help you get the job at Cracked? Or I mean, I've talked to Mort Todd before, and he said he knew you from uh, some New York school or something like that. Uh, well, I mean, like, I He didn't know I you personally. Remember. He knew of you, I'll say that, yeah. Ah, uh, well, I, 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 I don't know about any school. Uh... Uh, he was appearing in some uh, publications. Maybe they were connected to a school of visual arts. I'm not sure, but that would have been the only school where we would have come in contact. Yeah. I remember meeting him uh, because of uh, his Psycho Comics. He had that company, you know, Look Mom Comics mm. back, uh, what was it, 1981, uh, 1980, something like that. And... Uh, yeah, I, I really dug that stuff. Um, it, it, uh, he was another guy who was coming from, uh, you know, the old stuff, Jack Cole, and yeah. uh, he, he had a real sense of humor there, and uh, somehow, uh, like like a lot of other young cartoonists there at the time in our, in our early 20s, we kind of stayed in the same orbit, yeah. and... Uh, I was uh, so I I my, my, I came up when they were like casting about for uh, you know cracked mm -hmm. artists, and so that that's how it happened. It, it was serendipitous. Really. Yeah, yeah. Because I I think what he said, yeah, he knew of you, but not didn't know you personally. But you know, he might have met you once or something. But yeah, he kept in mind. You know, it's like when he became the editor. You know, he, he wanted to get all the talented people he knew of. You know, past and present. So you know, it's like. And that's how he got Ditko in there. He says, hey, I like Steve Ditko. His only regret, which I'm going to be talking to him in a future podcast again, but, you know, his only regret is he didn't approach Kirby at the time. You know, he didn't even think of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, he can't have everybody, but, you know. No, no, no. But that, that, was a, that was a great forum because, unlike Mad, you didn't have to believe in the Mad philosophy. Right. There, there was, there was the, 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 the crack magazine had no, you know, nailed down philosophy. It was, it was just, uh, you know, a, a humor magazine. It was a cartoon magazine, and I was surprised at the range of material that could uh, pop up in there. You know. Um, now, did you have free so, reign to do whatever you wanted, or were you sign things, or? Well, I mean, th there were a couple of things I did that were written. And there were some things where I submitted a uh, uh, story. Um, uh, it, it was mostly that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, I, I didn't just drop in with finished pages. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, that's the way it was, you know. Submit a, uh, a script, right? Synopsis, yeah. Did you still work there? I don't know my timeline. I don't have my books in front of me. Did you still work there after Mort left, or? Um, no. Oh, okay. No, uh, I had gone on. He had gone on. It, it, after a while, it just kind of sputtered to a halt. Okay, and that's probably about the time you moved to LA or whatever. Roughly. Uh, or is that? I, I forget what year it was that 
Mort stopped working for crack. Mort was roughly there, eighty-five to ninety, roughly. You know. Um, yeah. So. Well, it would have been like uh, a year or two later okay. that I went to L.A. Okay. Um, so it's I, just I just like to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I also would just like to mention in passing that uh, I worked for uh, National Lampoon and Heavy Metal and uh, okay. a lot of the other publications in New York. So I remember uh, that at the time. Uh, I, I got Lampoon I, all the I, way to the bitter end, too. And, you know, <laughs> even when it was yeah. difficult to find annual at the, <laughs> you know, in the, la- yeah. the latter 90s. But you know, uh, what type of pieces did you do there? I, uh, I don't remember, actually, to be honest. <laughs> Well, for uh, the the ones in uh, National Lampoon were pretty uh, were, were were not major uh, things. They were illustrations. Okay. I did one of the uh, the character Sam the Eagle. I don't know if you remember him. I think he was for the Olympics. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I did an illo for him. Then uh, there there was another one uh, caricature of uh, JFK, mm-hmm. and there were probably others. Okay, so you and never had like a strip on the funny pages or anything like that? Was, no, 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 okay. nothing like Got that. Okay. But I did have scripts in their uh, other publication, Heavy Metal. I uh, I had a couple of uh, multiple pages in there, too. Oh, okay. That was a lot of fun. I wish there were still magazines like that around. Yeah. Well, Heavy Metal still is around, but it's certainly not the same as it was. You know, it's kind of like... I, I haven't seen it. What's in it now? Uh, pretty much the same type of stuff, but it's not published by Lampoon anymore. It's a, you know, it's I think it changed hands a couple times. So, it, and I think it comes out like quarterly. You know, all these things like come out so infrequently nowadays. Yeah, like are they still printing uh, uh, foreign stuff? Do they have American stuff anymore? I don't know if they have any American stuff anymore. You know, it could just be all foreign reprints. I really don't know. You know, because I. I kind of stopped reading heavy metal, you know, like when Lampoon folded up, you know, and but I know they kept it going, you know, and it, I, I see it occasionally like at Barnes and Noble, so that's why I know it's around, you know. But, right, right. But it does doesn't. It's like everything else; it doesn't grab me as it once was. It once did, so you know, I don't bother to look at it. So. Right, right. Yeah. 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 The stuff's not. Uh, it doesn't come up conveniently. I mean, that's basically what destroyed comics yeah. or destroyed. Well, some people would say they're not destroyed. I don't know. But, I mean, they used to be convenience items. Yeah. You, you you go to some place, newsstand, whatever, and you see it there, and it's it's cheap. Uh, so you might pick it up. And nowadays you have to be so dedicated. Right. And most people aren't. Yeah. I, th- I think you posted <laughs> once on Facebook, you were saying something about Mickey Mouse comics, and then I decided to look it up, and I found out, like, the last issue was published, like, two years ago or something. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. I mean, if you can't sell Mickey Mouse comics, there's something wrong. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's really kind of pathetic. Like, there's a company I've written a couple scripts for, and I'm really rooting for them just because, but uh, I get so disappointed with them. It's called American Mythology. And they put out Casper, and they put out Underdog, and they put out Rocky and Bullwinkle, and they put out, you know. But here's how they put them out. They put out issue one of Rocky and Bullwinkle. And then a few months later, they'll put out issue one of Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends. And then a few months later, they'll put out issue one of Rocky and uh, Boris and Natasha or something. You know, it's just variant titles. And they're all number one, and they all have like five different covers, and it, it's the oh half, my. Re- half to all reprints, and it's like, 
why is it so they'll all be like sellers? Is that the idea? I guess I don't yeah, understand I their don't. logic, you know. And it's like I haven't really because I work for them. I don't try to rock the boat too much, but it's like I am right. getting more and more frustrated with them because of that. So well, you know. I'm sure there's some. Ge- yeah, I'm sure there's some genius scheme behind all that. Yeah, yeah. What are the uh, reprints of uh, the, the gold key stuff or the Charlton stuff? Uh, on Underdog, yeah. it's both. Yeah, and on, uh, because I help them with the reprint stuff sometimes. It's like they'll say, "Where did this story originally appear? And who's the artist?" And I'll know it, or I'll know how to find yeah, it. Right. But I don't know it, you know. And they don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. So right. occasionally, I'll get a credit. They'll say, "You know, Mark attributed this issue of Casper to number 186 from." 1973 or whatever, and Warren Kramer was the artist, the writer unknown, because I really don't know the writers all the time, but, you know, it's like, right. so I get a little credit saying, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. What about the uh, the Rocky and Bullwinkle stuff? What do they call uh, they've, they've reprinted uh, both the Dell and the Gold Key stuff. Yeah. Okay, but, but, but none of the Paul Fung... Uh, Charlton stuff? Uh, have they done any of the Charlton stuff? It seems like they have a little bit. I know they have access to it, you know. Yeah. But they tend to predominantly reprint, you know, the Alkyl Gore stuff, so, you know. Yeah. I mean, eventually I, I guess they'll it. get to it, but like I said, their, their publishing schedule is so haphazard. It's like yeah. it'll take them 50 years to get through it all. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right, right, right. And there was only hey, like uh, about 10 years of issues originally, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, 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 they were doing, somebody was doing uh, new stuff with the Harvey characters, right? Well, that was them. Um, I've submitted some scripts. They do Casper. They don't tend to do like Richie Rich and those uh, characters, so uh, it's kind of weird. Here's another thing that's odd nowadays. It used to be if you got the license to something, you were the exclusive publisher. <laughs> but nowadays, like even Disney was is published by, I think it's Kaboom and by IDW, and it's kind of ironic because Marvel owns it now, but they don't publish it. They li- they license it out. And then the Harvey stuff. There is one issue by this company called Joe Books of Harvey Hits. And that was all she wrote, so, oh well. And uh, um, then Casper, they've done Casper and Friends and Casper's Ghostland, all number ones, you know. (laughs) Uh, uh, Then they did this one recently that was just all reprints, and I go, wow, they're so just doing reprints. I mean, at least it's the old Harvey stuff, but still, it's like, yeah. And so I'm trying to get a script in there. And, you know, it's really difficult because they got their staff writers and, uh, you know, so I, I've managed yeah. to get two things published. I got a Three Stooges story and an Ant and the Aardvark story. <laughs> so, and that's it. After submitting probably about 50 proposals or about 10 scripts, you know, it's like, wow. Right, right, right. And they pay right. like nothing, so it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're yeah. talking about yeah. your 1940s Harvey rates. Well, think worse yeah. than that, so, you know. <laughs> yeah.
real pros. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that's just the way it is. I, I, I mean, now I guess that doesn't matter to them anymore. Yeah. Well, it's that's, just, that's uh, what happened to, like, National Lampoon. I don't know if you've seen, there's a, a documentary that's pretty good about the history of National Lampoon. Uh, no. It's based on the book that Rick Marowitz did called Drunk, Stoned, uh, something dead. Uh, I forgot all the <laughs> But um, after Animal House, everybody got lured away. Even the ones that didn't even work on Animal House, everybody got lured away to Hollywood because suddenly, you know, writers were paid writer guild rates. You know, comic right, It's kind of right. funny. They make all these movies of Ant-Man, the Black Panther, and uh, Avengers and everything else. And, you know, yeah, some creator might get, like, a royalty, but, you know... The writers of the Avengers comic book, or whatever, if it's even being published, because I don't know what Marvel currently publishes, but let's say they're publishing one right now. They just get the standard $35 page page rate, or whatever they got forever, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, so it's... um, Wow, I I, I don't know, I'm trying to uh, find words, and and I keep forgetting them. (laughs) But... uh, It's... It is what it is. Yeah. It's it's. I I, I think Crum said it's it's a, a forum or or an art for young people. Yeah. I mean, uh, and you know, it, 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 this this is insured with the way they're doing things now, with the way they're paying now. Yeah. Now for me, I was willing to take the low rates from the standpoint. Well, I never really got much comic book scripts published in the past. I had a couple for Shanda Fantasy Arts with Mike Curtis and things like that, but nothing. <laughs> Prominent, so I figured, well, you gotta start somewhere. It doesn't matter how old you are. Right, but right, it's right. so frustrating working for them. It's like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I'm just gonna continue doing my other stuff, writing books and, you know, doing these podcasts right. and other things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, how, how can you make it your, I mean, your thing? Yeah. Uh, you see, there, there, there's another uh, difference, and that is that these rates made more sense when it was based on volume. Yeah. That that was the thing. If you could get an eight-page eight, eight page story, then, you know, you, you might get a reasonable amount of money for everything. Yeah. But they're still paying that even if you get a job, uh, you know, it can take months before they approve something. Right. It, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think about these writers that used to write. I don't know all the writers, uh, the most prolific writers, but I'm thinking of, like, like popped in my head, like Frank Doyle, who wrote, like, thousands of Archie stories. It's like, that would be, like, my dream job, you know, just churning out story after story, 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 story. And I could do it if there was a platform and the ability to do it, but I'm not just going to sit there and just write out a bunch of stuff if nobody wants to look at it, you know? Right, right, yeah. You know, I I tried that with American mythology. I, like I said, I turned in quite a few scripts, and then it got to the point where they aren't even responding to the ones I turned in. Why should I turn in more? You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, if they rejected them all, at least they're looking at them, but they're not even looking at them long enough to reject them. So I'm like, okay, you know, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no room for a Feldstein or a Stan Lee now. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, they. They want to divide the work up. It just doesn't work that way anymore. One workhorse doing everything. Yeah. I mean, when when I look at a comic book uh, now, I mean, a, a DC or a Marvel one, mm-hmm. they they have this list of about forty nine. 
people in front of the book who worked on it. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody, everybody in, in the building is on that thing. Yeah. And, uh, well, there you go. Yeah. What can I say? Let's see. Did I cover everything? There, actually, I have. Um, I, I put it out there. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. I've said, "Oh, I'm interviewing Milton." Uh, anybody have any questions? So I got a couple questions from the Peanut Gallery here. So, like, okay. So, so Phil Fry said that you are a huge Ed Wood fan. So you want to talk about Ed Wood? <laughs> well, what is there to say? I mean, like, uh, I I like him because of his overly dramatic qualities and I I'm not a you know a huge fan of the ones that everybody thinks of the horror stuff right. I'm more uh, for his exploitation uh, film noir type stuff like uh, I don't know I guess the first one was uh, J.O. Bate and oh, yeah. uh, then uh, The Violent Years which he did not actually direct and uh, Sinister Urge and uh, there's just that Yeah. Just, just that sense of the overly sincere that I enjoy very much. Now, do you think he's justified as being the worst director of all time? Or no, because uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the worst director of all time is stuff you can't watch, and there's a lot of stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, there's stuff you, you, you can't believe they can legally call a film. <laughs> uh, so, 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 no, 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 not the worst at all, because as is being said a lot nowadays, he was not boring. Yeah. There, there, there usually wasn't uh, an intolerably slow minute in an Edward movie. Right. <laughs> and uh, what appeals to you? I, I've seen some of those earlier films. I think I did see Glenn or Glenda, but I don't know if, you know, it's, they're hard to find sometimes, I think. Um, what, what is appealing about the earlier films than, say, the the obvious one, Plan 9 from Outer Space, or... <laughs> well, like, Glenn or Glenda, I mean, it, it was more in touch with a human mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, he, he was uh, pretty impassioned about uh, what he was saying, and it was, like, an unusual time to be saying it. And uh, it was like, you know, you, you have a you know, a pair of characters, you know, in a kitchen talking. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, there's nothing to hide behind. There are no zombies to hide behind. There's no big budget to hide behind. <laughs> it's, it's just like, you, you know, you have these two characters there in a very boring setting, and you either make something of it or you don't. And by God, he, uh, he did. I'm not saying it was, uh, you know, Magnificent Ambersons or something. Right. But he certainly made it interesting. Right. I assume you've seen the Ed Wood film by um, uh, what's his face? I can't. <laughs> Tim Burton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, is, what is your opinion of that? See, I, I don't know much about Ed Wood's background, so I'm kind of trusting that the film is generally correct. But I've heard that there's issues with it. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean. He, he played up things. I mean, like, I, I liked the movie when I saw it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, d d definitely uh, liberties taken, and uh, his style is pretty theatrical, so he, he, he broadened it all out. It uh, kind of hoped it out. But, uh, you know, it, it, was a, it was a good film. Okay. I mean, I enjoyed it. Okay. And I, I was, and I wasn't coming to. This is the thing: you can't go to a film, any kind of film, with the, uh, you know, the facts, and then get disappointed when they don't uh, do it that way. Right. And so I didn't go there saying, "Oh, well, are they recapturing the setting 
play it that way because uh, you know they'll always lose. Yeah, but it seems like uh, Burton's uh, usually like I saw that other film about the uh, Walter Keane. Uh, right. The big uh, eyes, you know, and it's like they said, as incredible as some of these scenes are, the, you know, a lot of them are actually true, and they did it pretty, pretty faithfully to the, the truth. And so I'm kind of thinking that about Ed Wood, you know, there, you know, I'm sure he didn't get like permits to film on location, and <laughs> like that's my favorite yeah. scene with Johnny Depp. It's like, does anybody have a permit? No, run, you know. <laughs> Right, right, right. I don't know if that's accurate, but it sounds like something based on you know yeah. how the film went, you know, and what I do know yeah. about Ed Wood. So well, it makes its point. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's not uh, a, a documentary. It's uh, right. It's no more of a documentary than Lust for Life was for Van Gogh. <laughs> that's a good example. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> for some reason, it just popped in my head the um, Lon Chaney story with, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, with Cagney. Yeah, with Cagney. That, that's a little cringeworthy in spots, but it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Hey, hey, I never saw the Buster Keaton story. I mean, I uh, hear that's a lot of laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least Buster was around looking at it, you know, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but even he said... Uh, pathetic when the guy's right there you know like yeah, in the case yeah, of Lon yeah. Chaney Lon Chaney was dead you couldn't ask him you know but <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, the only yeah. thing that bugs me like I don't know did you ever see the Doors movie with Val Kilmer yeah I, I don't like it when they do stuff that there's actually documented footage of I mean I know they changed this to prove a point uh, it's a scene where they sing Light My Fire on Ed Sullivan's show and he wasn't supposed to sing Girls You Can't Get Much Higher or something like that. And right. when you watch the Ed Sullivan clip, the actual real clip, he just sings it. Girl, you can't get yeah. much higher. Yeah. But on the movie, Val Kilmer leans into the camera and says, higher, like that. And it's like, I know it's trying to emphasize a point, but it's like, it wasn't that way. And so that makes me cringe, stuff like that. That it's right. right. actually right. documented footage of it. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're doing Abraham Lincoln and, uh, you know, he's speaking, you know, reading the Gettysburg Address, you know, you have to trust it was read, read the you know the best that we could think he would read it he didn't like read it in a high mickey mouse voice or something i don't know yeah right right yeah yeah uh, yeah you're no, you're you're right i mean they they i i think they wanted uh, one of that uh, something like that mick jagger moment yeah yeah you know uh, what, what was that uh, we why we should spend some time together right right they, they wanted something like that yeah yeah and, and so they manufactured it yeah uh, let's see. Got a question from Mort Todd. Actually, he had two questions, but you know, one of them we've already talked about is Cool World. But he said that you were a sidekick on a TV show called Comic Book Quiz. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. He would ask about that. Um, <laughs> you can say no comment. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was a public access show that uh, I, I, I 
was hired on to be uh, like kind of the court jester or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what can I say? You know, early 20s, another early 20s experience that uh, I'm glad I had, but I don't necessarily want to revisit. You know? <laughs> was that it New was York? Fun. That, that was in New York, right? Hmm? That was in New York, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. The place, uh, the studio. Uh, God, where was it? I, I, uh, I think it was in the twenties, like twenty third or something. I can't remember. Okay. Do any copies of it still exist, or is it probably, uh, hopefully, wiped I, from memory? <laughs> I, I think uh, Mark Todd. I think he mentioned that he has a tape or something. <laughs> I know that the guy who uh, did the show, Bob Saland, I think he, uh, you know, erased everything. Yeah. Oh. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, if if you're dedicated enough, maybe you can find something. <laughs> I hadn't but heard that, but I figured if he's asking, I'll ask yeah. you. So that's a story. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's a couple more questions I have. So, you know, I mentioned uh, Hugo and I mentioned Midnight the Rebel Skunk. Um, yeah. Do you do any uh, comics of those now, even for fun or would you ever bring those back in any form because you do have fans of that that i've heard so you know they go wow i like milton knight's hugo you know you know or is that just like all done and in the past and well you know i mean i did a couple of new hugo comics that were published they, they were in digest form it wasn't quote-unquote real comics yeah. but uh back in 2013 so if these people would like to see new Hugo I'd advise them to get in touch with me okay. because they are for sale okay. um, yeah yeah so no I uh, I still readily come up with ideas I, I haven't done any of uh, Hugo since 2013 but I I wouldn't turn down that idea I certainly wouldn't mm -hmm. and I still do projects with slug and ginger the uh, screw characters okay. so I'm, I'm actively working on that still now all these characters you come up with, uh, how did you, uh, did, the, did you base them on anything, or is it just, like, even Terry Tunes, or, you know, I know you have a love for that, and Fleischer, and things yeah. like that, uh, was it supposedly kind of recreating those type of characters from the past, in your well, own Well, I, I really wasn't, hmm? oh, I'm sorry. In your own well, way, I, I, yeah. I, I wasn't thinking in terms of uh, recreation, really, uh, in fact, I wanted to kind of pervert it. <laughs> I uh, wanted to, uh, well, it, it's the style I uh, love, so it came naturally, but I kind of wanted to uh, turn it on its head mm -hmm. uh, and do, uh, you know, quote-unquote adult themes, erotic themes, or uh, make it more low-life or, or whatever. I mean, uh, it, it's similar to what... Uh, Crum did with uh, his characters. I mean, they they were all like powerhouse pepper types, but they were doing all this weird nonsense. Right. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it, it was pretty much the same for me. Uh, I I, uh, I mean, if, if there were any direct imitations, they I'd have to say they were more accidental stuff that got imprinted on my subconscious brain. <laughs> So, uh, out of all, everything you've ever done, what would be your biggest influence? I mentioned Jim Tyre because you talk about him a lot. I mean, is he the major influence of your art style, or is that just kind of homegrown, or what? <laughs> uh, 
I, I have to say, uh, when you say homegrown, do you mean homegrown by me or? or well, I mean, what? do you do you think there's a single influence that would influence your art style, or is it kind of you just kind of came naturally? You didn't try to imitate anything, and you've always drawn this way. Because I've never seen your really, really early kid stuff before, so I don't know if you drew that way. Like, I know some artists that they change their style over the years because they're influenced by somebody, like an R. Crumb or yeah. something like that, you know, and then... Right. You know. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, like, I would try to recapture things, but uh, I, from very early on, I uh, I can't tell you why, but I was against uh, wholesale ripoff. Uh, I just didn't want to do it. I, for one thing, uh, I... I was afraid someone would catch me, or and, and, and another thing, it was uh, just something I didn't, I believe, shouldn't be done. Yeah. So, and and also, as far as with the animation uh, work is concerned, or, or animation-based material is concerned, there wasn't uh, much opportunity to study it. Yeah. If if Heckle and Jekyll was on, I, I you know I could just see it Saturday. Yeah. There, there, there was no going back and looking, so it was more based on uh, memories, and that that's very much different from freeze framing and uh, you know very consciously uh, right. studying. Uh, so uh, it it was more me than any uh, anything else. Yeah. You know. Well, for me as a fan and an outside observer, it just seems like there's a strong, like, 1930s cartoon influence. I don't know if that was conscious or unconscious or what. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it was very conscious. Okay. Uh, okay. Another thing that influenced me, and uh, I'll say influenced more than imitate, was okay. uh, were the Fleischer, the uh, Betty Boop and uh, uh, Popeye cartoons, especially when we got them as home movies. Mm -hmm. You know, those those real 50-foot reels that would cost like a dollar each or something. Because they would run like much slower than uh, the uh, the sound versions, the uh, real versions. Mm. And so it was like another world, really. It was like uh, you could see all the richness there. And I used to wonder why that wasn't there and uh, stuff that was done more uh, recently in my time. Studios uh, just didn't do. They they were too honest 
cynical or just plain, uh, you know, commercially uh, unable to uh, to do it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, very big difference for me. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, it was kind of a New York allegiance. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I have that fully because I'm not from New York or even L.A., but, you know, it's like um, there is a definite respect for the New York stuff because, you know, I did the Total Television book, and yeah. even though it has similar look to the Jay Ward stuff, you can tell it has a, a big city mentality that's very different, you know. Right, right. And a lot right. to do with advertising and things like that, but that's all Madison Avenue, which is like the yeah. heart of New York, so, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and yeah, those Fleischer cartoons, at least before they went to Miami, you know, very gritty, you know, dirty streets and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, if you're talking stuff that shaped my mind, I have to say uh, just about everything you did. I mean, Stephen stuff you wouldn't be able to trace. Like, uh, I was doing Abbott and Costello comics (laughs) that were not really... uh, influenced by the cartoons they were more influenced by the television show but uh, I I would uh, begin them uh, with an opening panel or drawing like a uh, Hanna-Barbera title card Mm. and uh, I loved the early uh, Yogi Bears and and, uh, Huckleberry Hounds and Flintstones I mean I could point to just about anything you know I mean Peanuts very much yeah. Uh, that 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 kind of shaped my mind into the weird aberration it is today. It, it, it's more more uh, a, a, like a just just constant constant absorbing rather than saying I want to be like so and so. Okay. Very good. Um, we've gone quite a while, so I, I know, this is really good. Um, uh, I guess any last thoughts, or if you want anything that you want to plug or uh, talk about future projects or anything you're working on? Well, I just want to say that uh, I have a, a blog, which uh, I haven't updated in a while, which is at MiltonKnight.blogspot. Can I say that again, please? Yes, take two. Milton, <laughs> MiltonKnight.blogspot.com. There we go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I haven't uh, like updated that in a little while. And I'm on Facebook. You can uh, become a friend there if you want. And uh, I, I offer uh, deals on commissions and original artwork that I have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, just look up Milton Knight on Facebook and you'll find me. Yet. I get SpongeBob regularly. Is it out yet? Oh, oh yeah, it's, it's it, it 
came out back in uh, July, August. Okay, I probably missed it. <laughs> I have it, but I have a stack of comics I haven't read yet. Oops. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you, it, it, it's in the back, so okay. who knows? It, it may even have, a, a like, a cardboard backing covering it. I don't know. All right, I'll take a look. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. embarrassing. Well, yeah, but I do get SpongeBob regularly. <laughs> no, it's cool. I like everything yeah, Milton Dyke does. I can't uh, skip over anything. Okay. <laughs> So I really enjoyed talking to you again, and uh, it's made for a very fun podcast. Uh, and anything else? Any final words of wisdom to anybody wanting to do <laughs> follow in your shoes? <laughs> uh, just be yourself. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, I thank yeah. you very much. And thank you very much. I will talk Bye-bye. to you soon, Milton. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Milton Knight, for being my special guest. Uh, Milton Knight wanted me to remind you that he is on Patreon if you want to support his various projects. Episode number six will be coming soon. If you'd like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. I will read your letters on the air next time. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2018 Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you very much, and have a good night.